You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. My guest is Andy Perez. He is the former West Coast PR chief for Feld Entertainment. If you don't know Feld, you probably do know their live entertainment companies, which are the Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus, Disney on Ice, Disney Live, Supercross, which is a live motocross events. He is an entertainment PR specialist um, with his own firm, but prior to uh, going out on his own, he worked for Feld uh, for a combined 12 years, seven years at the Miller Pair PR Agency in Chicago, five years as the West Coast PR chief. Uh, I am happy to have him with me on this podcast. Andy, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So the circus, I mean, 12 years <laughs> working on PR for the circus. Um, I guess, how has the down economy changed the way the circus tries to get butts and seats in local markets? You know, it's the greatest show on earth. So one of the best things that Ringling Brothers always had for it is the brand recognition. And the economy has really taken uh, the consumers' minds and focused them on brands that they know and brands that they trust. So it's really the investment that we've all been making for years and years and years of building your brand and building that customer loyalty. This is the crunch time that we were all talking about for all these years, and this is where it really counts. To get those butts and seats, we're still out there putting that information out there by combining our advertising, marketing, publicity, and promotion campaigns and they are completely one in sync with everything. And that's the way to really reach a consumer, to get them into the seat. Also, i got to tell you, that one of the scariest things that there has been is just feeling out the environment. People are holding their money a little tighter. Whereas, you know, Ringling Brothers and Disney on Ice would see advanced sales of maybe 60 to 80%, you know, a couple of months before an engagement, and walk-up sales would, you know, week of show would garner the rest of it. Now it's flipped. And, you know, the, the advance is very small, and the walk-up is later. So now we've had to adjust those campaigns to really keep in mind, keep in mind for the audience that the show's coming, but then also keep them really targeted in the couple weeks coming up to the show when they're going to make that decision and they know they have the money in their account. Okay, hypothetical question. Let's mm -hmm. say I'm an investor, and I'm getting ready to make a big investment in a live tour of some kind that's going to move across the country, the U.S., and hit different uh, arenas. It's an arena show, uh, mm -hmm. much like the circus or the other shows that you've promoted. And I hire you because I want you to help me do my due diligence. Okay, and I say, Andy, I want you to call up this guy who's who's taking who wants me to invest the money and make sure he knows what he's doing what are some of the questions you're going to ask me to get a sense for whether or not this thing's going to make it or not well I'm gonna, you know we're going to have to target exactly what this show is define what it is first and foremost and then decide 
exactly who is the market for this. And, you know, there's, there's one thing to say that, oh, yes, it's targeted for moms or it's targeted for men or, you know, it's targeted for kids. That's not enough. You need to be specific. You, you know, you want to know how old those people are, where they live, what are the types of things that they do uh, on a daily basis, how do they spend their leisure time. And when you start to answer those questions, oh, and I should add, where they live, you know, starting to understand the zip codes where they live, you're going to have a, a stronger base to communicate to not only your investors to put in that money for your show, you're going to have a much stronger base so that you're targeting your ad buys, targeting your promotions, and targeting your publicity. I think one of the biggest mistakes that um, happens with especially ad buying is that we think we're, you know, we're going out there and buying, you know, points, but we're not really paying attention all the time to exactly what those points mean. Am I really getting the targeted people that I want out of those points? Or am I getting, you know, some airings in, you know, shows that wouldn't really, my audience wouldn't be watching? Um, or in, you know, radio stations that wouldn't, wouldn't, the audience wouldn't be listening to. So the specificity, I think, is really the important thing. Well, let's say it's a family show. It's some sort of a family tour. Hey, how about this? Since you're an expert on live family entertainment, it's a circus This that I want to invest in, and they're going to take on Feld. They're going to go head-to-head with Feld, and... Um, and that's what they're going to do. So let's say, for example, I know that I want families and I know the zip codes that they live in and I know that other stuff. What do I do then? What do you do then? Wow. Well, you re- there's a lot to do. Well, let's develop the show. If you're going to go head-to-head on a consumer, uh, on a product like um, Feld's Ringling Brothers, you know, you've got a, a very family-targeted audience so, and a val- value-oriented um ticket price. So if you're going to engage right at them, you're going to have to see where where they have the holes in the market and start to play into those into the strengths where they can't necessarily um, reach. And then the markets that you're going to also compete in with them, you're just going to have to go to head to head and start to um, to communicate what you are. The biggest thing about introducing any kind of new show is um, the education process. Currently, I'm working on a show called Star Wars in Concert, and it debuted earlier this year in Anaheim, California. And, you know, it's very different than um, putting on a concert tour. You know, if you put Bon Jovi on sale, Everybody knows what Bon Jovi is going to be like. You know what that experience is. Um, if you put on your circus, nobody knows what that is yet. So how are we going to educate that consumer? I think one of the ways that you can do that um, is going directly to the consumer. I think, you know, doing your on-sale, doing um, pre-publicity tours, and going directly to the commu- uh, communities and meeting people, working with different groups, identify, you know, are, do I want to get involved with PTAs, libraries, um, you know, schools? Uh, do I want to do a publicity event, you know, with, you know, malls or something like that and create some sort of element that's going to represent your show um, and take it out to give people a taste of what it is? 
And it's no different than, you know, if you're launching a new detergent, you're going to send out sample packs to you know, your targeted zip codes. It's that, that kind of stuff. So the people start to have that experience. I think in live entertainment, the biggest competition all live entertainment faces is television. You know, it's right there in your home. It's comfortable. And to, for you to get off your couch and go do something, you have to have that motivation. And live entertainment always is just so spectacular because it's live. It's 3D. And you're going to be affected emotionally, physically, orally, you know, senses. All your senses are going to be involved. So um, you want to be able to reach people and tease them with that in order to get them into the seats. It's funny. I should tell this story because uh, you and I worked together on Zing Zang Zoom, which is the current iteration of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus. And uh, um, I, I remember you invited me to uh, accompany uh, the circus on the elephant walk where the elephants were transported from the train that they're moved around the country on to the actual <laughs> venue, which was Staples Center. It happened to be on the morning of Michael Jackson's funeral at Staples Center. And circus I'll never on forget, circus. we were walking <laughs> in to the Staples Center and there were police everywhere. Uh, you know, most, not for us, for, for the Michael Jackson event, which was bringing millions of people downtown. And I'll never forget the bomb squad pulling out their phones and taking pictures of us with the elephants as we were walking in. And I remember thinking to myself, my God, this is like the origins of PR because this is how P.T. Barnum did it, right? I mean, he had this parade and that was how he promoted that the circus was in town, right? Yeah, absolutely. Back in, you know, in the 1800s, how all of this started, you know, there's there's kind of this old saying of you... Uh, when the circus comes to town and you walk an elephant through town and you put you put a sign on them, there's advertising, you know, and uh, and you know just the event of a circ of elephants walking down the street, that's great publicity, and you know there's there's media relations opportunities there by the truckload, and on such a day as like the Michael Jackson circus, there were so many people downtown. We did this walk at four o'clock in the morning, you know, and you just. Okay, 4 o'clock in the morning, what kind of news crews am I going to get? Well, you know, I had a couple dozen news crews at 4 o'clock in the morning from all around the world. Um, and they were out there to not only see the circus of Michael Jackson, but see our circus walk through. Um, that's a built-in necessity logistically for a company like Ringling Brothers. They travel by train, and elephants need to get from the train to the arena, so they walk that distance. But Ringling Brothers takes that into a publicity venue, and it steps everything up. All of a sudden, there's you've got some very good influencers, the police, <laughs> for instance, um, know about that you're in town, and they're communicators. The police are a great group to work with to in order to get some grassroots words up, word out there about you're in town. And it's not unusual to see people flip out their camera phones and start taking pictures. When we stop the traffic for the elephants to go through, you'll see people in their cars doing that. Um, one of my favorite things on the L.A. Elephant Walk is we go by the trains, if you remember. Um, did you see any of the people as we're passing the, the uh, commuter train? They're all kind of dozing at like 4 o'clock in the morning with their heads on the window, and they all start popping up when they see the elephants. 
because they can't believe what they're seeing. So, you know, it's this great way to herald your your announcement into town. Now, not everybody has an elephant that they can walk into town, you know, but but you can create some sort of fuss to make your make it known that you're in town. You know, perhaps with uh, like my current client, Star Wars, you know, maybe we're going to have a Jedi parade. Who knows? Well, let me ask you something. Is there a way to uh, translate that to the online world? Like, is there a way to do some sort of a virtual online elephant walk? Uh, what, what would you do online that would have the same sort of impact? You know, I think online um, there are a couple different things that you can do. And, again, it, it kind of falls into this advanced publicity, advanced promotional thing. Um, on a live entertainment tour, you can develop something that travels ahead of your tour. And, um, you know, on, on the circus, we called it an advanced clown tour, where we'd send a couple clowns out on the road ahead of the show and to do um, publicity and promotion. And you start to um, meet with folks. And one of the things that we did on Zing Zang Zoom that, that you came out to was um, the Zing Zang Zoom show was focused around ma- magic and illusions. And uh, for the month-long engagement in Los Angeles, we wanted to tie into magic. So no better place than the, you know, Carnegie Hall of Magic, the Magic uh, Castle in Hollywood. So we brought in our uh, magician uh, and an assistant to sit down with mom bloggers. And we brought all these bloggers in to not only talk one-on-one with uh, these performers, but also to experience the show. They brought their kids, and we created just an atmosphere of uh, opening up this very secret world of magic and, and just, just to interject for a minute and give credit where credit is due, you you didn't just have uh, Alex Ramon, who's the uh, the Zing Master and uh, and his assistant, but you also had two others. Who were they? Absolutely, uh, the director of the show, uh, Shonda Sawyer, uh, who is amazing and has put together a couple of Ringling Brothers engagements uh, or uh, tours, I should say, and also uh, Jim Steinmeier, who's the illusionist in the business. Everybody's worked with him for the past three decades, and anybody in the magic world, big or small, if they want to pull off any kind of illusion, Jim Steinmeier's the go-to guy. So, offering all of the combination of um, the illusionist, the magician, and the director of the show, all of a sudden, you know, has this behind-the-scenes feel that is very enticing to, um, especially internet users, because we all want to know a little deeper. We all want to know that little, what's the story behind the story? And blogs, especially, are really a great way to build that. What's the story and help build that excitement? So, so let's break so, that down for a minute because I know you said that the LA run was hugely successful. I th- what was what were the numbers on it? Oh my God, uh, we were up twelve percent overall. Which now think about the economy uh, where so many things are down. Um, it, it was quite an amazing thing. Um, you know, there's a little bit of, of we added an extra. Uh, arena this this past year, the Citizens Business Bank out in Ontario, which we hadn't played before. So we don't have a heck of a lot to compare that to. Um, but overall, uh, you know, tickets were just tremendously um, 
Well, we sold out 11 out of 11 shows at the Staples Center. Now, Andy, <laughs> if I were to judge the effectiveness of the Magic Castle junket based on mainstream media coverage, I'd have said, my gosh, we didn't do that well. But because you brought these bloggers in, you said it was hugely successful. How do you know that bringing in the bloggers made a difference? Well, a few different ways. Um, one was creating the experience and the excitement that was going into the experience. The bloggers immediately, we had contacted them around our on-sale date. And really, I don't like to put anything out there, uh, information about the show, to the public unless they can immediately dial and get tickets <laughs> or go online and get tickets. Um, so it, as soon as we started talking to these bloggers, they were immediately talking about, I just got invited today to go find out, you know, the behind the scenes at the circus. So that built, they went and had their experience and reported on that. They wound up blogging week after week because they kept learning more things and we fed them more information um, about the show. They became personally involved and had these connections with the performers and directors that helped fuel them. And, and the reason we chose these people is because they specifically could speak to their, to their interests. We chose these bloggers. We knew what they were going, what they were interested in. So we found the stories in the magicians and and the director and and the illusionist to communicate. Now, on top of all that publicity stuff, we also fed in a promotion. Um, we did a ticket offer uh, with with them, and where we did a discounted offer, limit of four tickets for eleven dollars each. So four for forty four. And, you know, there was a certain code, promo code that people needed to do, whether ordering online or by phone. And we were able to track that. Through that, we sold 10,000 tickets. Well, here's my now, question, that, okay? That's amazing. How, when you bring in mom bloggers, the mom bloggers are blogging online. Online, mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about a global village. You're not talking about a market, you know, an audience that's governed geographically. So how do you leverage local mom bloggers to sell local tickets? I mean, it would seem to me people would be finding those blog posts and it might create interest in other markets as well, but you're focused on the West Coast. How, how does that work? Sure. There's a couple ways because some of the mom blogs are, are national or international um, in focus, and then there's many that there are many that are just locally focused. We work with a company called Mom Central, and Mom Central, uh, you know, looks at uh, each blog that's out there and finds out, you know, how popular this blog is. So we're taking a look at at the blog's hits and and uh, fresh hits and. Uh, taking the most popular out of each market and then targeting those folks. Um, everything else from there will drip down. Uh, and, you know, by offering promotions, by offering ticket giveaways, by offering publicity information so that they've got things to blog about, and then offering an experiential thing, whether it's before the show or when the show's in, engage, in the engagement, that all happens. Uh, we, we set all of that up. It's being able to find those mom bloggers is not that challenging, actually. It's it's a Google search, really, and it's it. But it takes a little bit of time. 
Got it. Frankly, I had an intern sitting there Googling for, for a day. <laughs> now, um, you know, you have been focusing, well, first you were in Chicago for the first seven years working on the Feld account. Then you became the West Coast PR chief for Feld. And so you were focused on which states? Basically everything west of the Rockies in the U.S. and Canada. Okay, so given and, your, your experience um, working on PR on the agency side out of Chicago, middle and Central America, Middle America, and then coming out to the West Coast, what is different? What are some of the unique challenges about selling live entertainment on the West Coast? It's the culture. It's a very different culture um, in, in the Northeast, Upper Midwest, um, in the larger cities, I would say that the culture um, is a little more inclined to, you know, go see shows on, on a regular basis. It's that part of what the West Coast doesn't have. They have the winter, <laughs> so they're looking for things to do inside. The West Coast um, is so different because television, like I said, is always the number one competition. The number two competition is outdoors. You know, so it's a matter of convincing people to actually spend some time indoors. So when you say uh, television is the competition, does that mean like when they think about the dates and the lineup, they're thinking, oh, we can't have a show this night because Dancing with the Stars is having their finale? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. What I mean by television being the competition is that you know, uh, families are looking, they don't need to look for entertainment. It's coming there that with all the things that are happening in, in any family's life, the school, the after work, acti you know, after school activities, the baseball games, the soccer games, all of that stuff, the, uh, the church, work, all of that, you don't necessarily need to go out to a show to be entertained because it's coming into your house. So, it becomes a process if it's if you're not inclined to already spend you know some time going somewhere like a show like people who get trapped in 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 the cold weather in the snow they're looking to get out of their house because they've been cooped up for six months in winter on the west coast we don't really have that um, you know we we can still go do you know lots of fun things outdoors all year round um, and. You know, sure, the West Coast still the huge TV consumers. You know, I think everybody all all across the board is, but it's that outdoor thing that comes up and really becomes the competition for live entertainment. All right, let me we ask also you something else here, because the thing huh? is, th there's no replacement for being at a live event, um, and certainly there is a replacement for a CD and a DVD. You can download it on on online. There's a replacement for television that could be served over over the internet. And actually, a good friend of mine, Tony Selznick, who runs an agency called McDonald's Selznick Associates, they represent uh, live stage uh, directors and choreographers, has said to me, my gosh, this the Internet has actually been a huge boon for our business because live entertainment is just surging. Um, in addition to live entertainment surging, he said that a lot of these live um, reality shows will have tours now. Well, they'll go across yes. the country and do different things, and that'll be another live event. So um, the question is, is live entertainment somehow impervious to being undercut by the Internet? I don't know that it's impervious. Um, I don't think most live entertainment has figured out how to use the Internet. Um, 
I thought one of the most interesting things that uh, came out last Tony season, I believe it was last Tony season or the one before, was there was a whole campaign for the Broadway show Xanadu um, where they did created a viral campaign. They created this fictional um, press agent, um, Buddy, I can't remember his last name, um, who wound up being this 12-year-old boy. Um, and they created this great viral campaign. Every week they released another serial um, about building up votes for Xanadu to uh, win the Tonys. And it was a great way to show showcase the show being so fun and, you know, and the alternative audience uh, that it was trying to attract as well as, well as families. And it, it brought all of that in without really showing the performance. So it kind of gave this extra thing and made you want to become a fan of it, made you want to seek it out. That's one of the best examples I've seen. Most live entertainment not generated from a TV show, I don't think has really caught up yet um, and figured out how to use uh, use the Internet to its best advantage. You know what blows are- my mind? Um, uh, every year we like to go to see... Uh, the Nutcracker. Uh, we love to see the New York City Ballet perform the Nutcracker. They do uh, Nutcracker. They do uh, a, a Gregory Ballantyne's version of it. It is splendid. If you ever get a chance, I really recommend it. But one of the things you notice is that they have this policy, which is a no photo policy, and it doesn't matter if there's a flash or not. You're just not allowed to take a picture. And and I, I always scratch my head, think to myself, what if I take a picture and upload this picture to TwitPic? And somebody sees that picture, it's not as though they're not going to see the ballet because they've seen the picture. Probably quite the contrary. They're going to think, oh, the ballet. Maybe we should go check that out. And I wonder, I mean, should should these organizations be rethinking these no-photo policies? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> I wish more of them would. And it is changing. I have to say, with a lot of the arena tours that I've seen, including Ringling Brothers and Disney on Ice, you know, they've given up that uh, no camera policy and because everyone has one now I mean it's ridiculous my 84 year old mother has a camera phone and knows how to use it so really uh, uh, live entertainment has to figure it out a lot of shows are even um, allowing video cameras in because those are also getting smaller and smaller and how are you going to police that Um, I think the step that you know is still missing is that even though these companies are allowing them in, they haven't created some venue where people can share that and build on it. And, you know, I I think that's where YouTube comes in really handy because you can create your own page on there. You know, we could create like a Ringling Brothers page or, you know, a Dora the Explorer page or whatever. Um, And people can upload their, their, uh, their videos. Um, And, show off what, they, what they're seeing and very often you start to see like people, not only what they're filming, but how they're reacting to it and their commentary to it, which is even more meaningful. It's that third party endorsement that we've always go for in publicity. You know, you've got that reporter or that news article talking about you and that's more valuable than, you know, than your ad. Your ad's important, don't get me wrong, but, you know, that third-party endorsement. But when you get it from a consumer and you hear their excitement, that's even better. 
So I don't understand why live entertainment hasn't really caught up with it, but I think it will. So I've I've worked um, on on big shows and I've worked on little shows, um, mm-hmm. but you know I don't really understand. Maybe you could explain this to me. Sometimes when I've worked on smaller shows, there's always uh, a lot of consternation amongst the producers about whether or not to work with Ticketmaster. They're so powerful, mm-hmm. and for some reason, working with them is you know a a, a um, a decision that gets a lot of thought. What is you know, Eric? I, I I think the first thing is, and I truly believe this in my heart, and I know I'll get a boo on this, but I think a lot of you know, it's a big corporation. A lot of people just don't like big corporations, <laughs> and it gets it's easy to bash. Um, and sure, you know. But, but what I I'd like to know, what I'd like to know, what are the advantages and disadvantages from a PR standpoint of working with Ticketmaster or Live Nation, which is now acquiring Ticketmaster? Mm-hmm. What's what? What is the argument for and against? Well, ease in, in the majority of markets, it's there, <laughs> and uh, there, it's connected. It's connected all the way across the country. Um, and Ticketmaster has done something in the past year that's made live entertainment publicity a lot easier. They actually consolidated their um, toll-free phone number um, to be just like their website. Um, it is one central number all the way across the country, and the phone. And depending on what area code you're calling from, you're going to be routed to a call center. Uh, locally, so 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 what that, I take it, what I get from that is the phone still matters. I mean, most most very most much. ticket sales happen on the phone or on the internet. Absolutely, absolutely. And no, no, um, it, was, it was a question: Do most ticket sales happen on the phone or do most happen on the internet? You know, I don't have I don't have a real answer on that, but um, I I think it's still pretty balanced. Um, I could be off on that, um, but. It's still important to get that information out there um, because even if you're not getting the phone number out there, you're getting the name Ticketmaster out there. It's an easy thing that most people are connected with. It's The thing that I like so much about working with Ticketmaster is that it, they make it very simple. It's very simple to find them on the Internet. It's very simple to navigate their page pages. It's very simple to as a consumer to find your information. And, um, and that's what I really like about working with them. Plus, they offer a whole range of ser- uh, services where they can help you, know, help you with e-blasts and help target that to zip codes um, that you're interested in. They can target that to exactly the consumer that, that you want. Um, and without, without, you know, cluttering up your information. And I think that's so important. We get so many emails and constant stream of information that when it's really targeted and you start to earn that consumer's trust of you're not going to be sending me a bunch of garbage, that I'm going to open these emails and find that you know this is a good offer and I'm going to take advantage of it. They so offer a lot of, there's help. been a lot of discussion lately about this new organization, StubHub. And I've mm-hmm. gone on once. I've never actually bought tickets on StubHub. But does StubHub present a formidable challenge 
to uh, Live Nation and Ticketmaster, and if so, how? Absolutely. Just, you know, one, <laughs> it's just, it's got such a great um Great offerings. I mean, they're new, they're fresh, they're exciting. I think they've they built a really great internet reputation, um, and they're just not Ticketmaster. I, I think that's a I think that's a huge incentive for for folks. They too offer you know very targeted uh, marketing and publicity opportunities that you can go for. And I mean, I'm sitting sitting in front of it right now as as we talk, and you know, it's already pulled up a list of. Uh, it knows, you know, it has my information, knows where I'm at, and it's already, it knows what I want, and it's already giving me, knows who I am, it knows my profile, and it's giving me things that I, sh- I would be interested in. What blows me away about live entertainment as a business, when I want to buy tickets to a, a show or a concert or, or a, a sports event, which is in my area, typically if I Google the name of that show, I don't get... Um, the arena where it's being held, or I don't get the, the the league responsible for the for the sport event. I often, you know, don't get the producers of the show. What I get is it seems to me, you know, a bunch of scalpers, a bunch of resellers who are there uh-huh. as intermediaries. Maybe they've, they're speculating on a few seats. They're marking up the price, and I, I just don't get why live entertainment companies haven't been more aggressive on building a web presence that's search engine optimized because what they've done is they basically created you know this wild west environment where anyone who can seo a site can come in and disintermediate them from their ticket buying audience oh yeah that's the age-old problem (laughs) and and you know I I would have to say these organizations are doing more than just cornering some tickets. They're cornering a lot of tickets. And it is very challenging to figure out who these folks are. You know, these are companies that hire individuals to stand in line at a box office or call or or go online to buy tickets uh, as soon as they go on sale. And as, you know, as producers of shows, we can see it. Like if you've ever had scalpers buy up a section and they don't sell it, you could see it in the house. Like they're all of a sudden, you know, you've got maybe have a sold out house and you have an empty section. Well, that's the scalper that didn't sell those tickets. And, you know, because we're looking at the buying pattern as, as especially in arenas, you know, we're opening things up as the on sale goes on to make sure that people we fill in closer and not just spot it all over the arena. You want everybody as close as possible and in the best sight lines as possible and then you move out but I, I, you know I think a lot of different organizations have tried to step up I know the Chicago Cubs a few years ago you know tried doing uh, taking their ticketing in house uh, to try and prevent all this stuff I'm not sure it's ever going to go away and I, I think there probably would need to be some you know changes in laws about how, how these things happen I'm not sure it's it's like old graft, I would have to say. It's like the, you know the twenties and uh, where the mafia was, you know, paying everything under the table. I guess. Um, so, seeing as how you are an insider, and uh, you know you 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 know the skinny on how this stuff works, what advice can you give our listeners 
who want to get good seats to events, how can they beat the scalpers and get the good seats and pay a fair price? It's chancy. Um, it, uh, there are some good ways to do it because, uh, like I mentioned, you know, it, we're we're putting when we go on sale, we're putting just about everything on sale. Every show has some amount of holds that we're going to hold back, and as the on sale period goes on, they'll be released. Um, so, checking, you know back, you can take a little gamble of like, okay, I can't get the greatest seats right now, or maybe I can get these seats going on sale, but I'm going to check back and see if I can get some better seats and maybe I can sell my seats, you know, uh, for face value, don't get arrested. Um, And usually in the week prior to a show, those seats will be released. One week, so you're saying seven days? Yeah, five to seven days. Usually there's, there's a days or just tickets any day? that are whole, held that are really great seats that may not be used, but that's when when they start to open, and they could open any day that week. So you're saying so, like um, you know, on StubHub or on Ticketmaster or with the organization itself? Like, Say, for example, here's – give you a good, good example. Uh, we're going to go see uh, Silent Rain, is it, with Daniel Craig and Daniel and no. – uh, Who's in I it? heard those were up to like 600, something like that. Well, my wife <laughs> got up in the morning and she dialed at 4 a.m. and she's into that. She wanted to see, uh, what, who's, what's his name, the handsome guy from Australia who hosted uh, the Jackman Academy Awards. Hugh Jackman and Daniel Craig from Wait, England. Hugh Jackman and, and Daniel uh, Craig are going to do this show. We're going to go see it. We have you know reasonably good seats because my wife saw it in the New York Times, woke up that morning, you know, dialed, dialed, dialed until she got through. And when she got through, she was really bummed because she got through like a minute after tickets went on sale and mm-hmm. there were really no good seats. A minute oh, yeah. after tickets went on sale, I mean, that we got reasonably good seats. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm not unhappy, but I'm saying they're not the best seats in the house. And she was right. the first one on the phone. So what happened? <laughs> you know, we're talking today on the Monday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> and it's Cyber Monday. Uh, you know, there are 4 million people shopping online I'm not <laughs> well, buying every minute I'm or so. They pull the side <laughs> seats. Know? I'm not buying it, Andy. I'm telling really? you. They must have pulled the side seats. You, you think it just basically other people well, yeah, got through first? There's definitely, you know, pull the side seats. But when you're talking about a Broadway show, you're talking about, you know, a house that's maybe 800, 1500 max. I, I don't know. Uh, some Broadway houses are, are bigger than that. I don't know how big that particular house is, but you're not necessarily talking, you know, Staples Center. You so know, you're not smelling a it's, it's straight. It's not like when they go on sale, they've already taken, you know, half the tickets off to, you know, comps well, or stuff. Yeah, I th- a lot are, are held. You know, a lot are held for, uh, you know, promotional use. You want to also, you know, guide the ticket buying so that it is you know you that you're filling in seats and that you're not you know and not that everybody's buying on the sides you know or in the back and then you have nobody up front so yeah you need there is a little bit of guidance there um, as to that and and that's especially crucial when you're in a big place like an arena um, but it, it's there's a lot of competition for it and it moves quickly and it's just like 
you've bought a ticket online. <laughs> you know, the plane fare changes every minute. It's the same thing. Andy Perez, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, how do they do it? Uh, you can email me at aperez at zerepa.com. That's aperez at Z-E-R-E-P, as in Peter, A, dot com. And uh, I'm here in Los Angeles. I would love to hear from you. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you, Eric. It's been fun. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.